Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. This is part one of a two-parter where Joanna is going to tell us strange things about a strange place. I am indeed. We've got another uh, triangle situation to discuss. <laughs> Joanna likes a triangle. I do like a triangle. Uh, this one is known as the Bennington Triangle. And where is that? That is in the great state of Vermont. Vermont? Mm-hmm. All right. Only in Vermont, or does it spread to other it's states? only in Vermont. Uh, it was uh, named the Bennington Triangle in 1992 by author uh, Joseph Citro. He's like an author local to the New England area. And I think he dubbed it the Bennington Triangle due to the, some similarities to the Bridgewater Triangle, which we have discussed, that's over in Massachusetts. Right. Uh, I'm not sure too much about, like, uh, that area and, like, where Vermont in, is in relation to Massachusetts, but I know they're close. They're, they're in close. the New England area. Yep, yep. Vermont's like a, like a top state, I believe. It's, it's up there. It is. It is in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It's not... It's not one I know a whole lot about, uh, other than I think they've got like good like maple syrup out there. Uh, probably, uh, mm -hmm. they probably have. Uh, are they on the water? Are they like Maine? Do they have good lobster? I don't think they are on the water. Um, maybe they're like next to Maine or something. I don't think I don't think it's a coastal state. Are you pulling up United States of America right now? Yes. <laughs> Well, while you're doing that, my sources for today, coolandinterestingstuff.com, medium.com, findagrave.com, historicmysteries.com, and explorersweb.com. Where is Vermont? Is it coastal or not? It is not coastal. It's like okay. above Connecticut. Okay. And to the left of, or to the east of uh, New York State, like upper state New York, and I think it's, uh, there's another state to the west of it before maine so you know it's <laughs> but it's definitely in the northeast yes i'm sure there's people like in the northeast listening to this being like you fucking dumb fuckers <laughs> i guess yeah probably but there's a lot of small states out there there and they're are all in some kind there of fucked are up thing so and, i'm just not i mean, fair, I mean there's ones that i forget are shit. even states that like exist like delaware like yeah yeah i'm like oh fuck been... that's an actual state isn't it <laughs> it's possible that vermont was next to delaware yeah i mean it's just like yeah, those little old places, just like, you know, it's, it, it's nice. Yeah. Guess, probably. Although I think the Vermont is like a larger state, like in comparison to some of them out there. Oh, uh, probably, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. it takes more than 15 minutes to drive through it. <laughs> right? Unlike like Rhode Island or Delaware. Tiny ass places. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, the parameter, it basically, the parameters of the Bennington Triangle, basically, uh, just, it just kind of includes the, um, the Gla Glastonbury, the Glastonbury Mountain area of Vermont, and that area is made up of um, some towns that are still going and some that are now essentially 
ghost towns. They were previously logging towns, but the towns are Bennington, Woodford, Woodford Shafts, Shaftsbury. <laughs> mm. I can't pronounce that well, but Shaftsbury. Shaft, Shaftsbury. Shaftsbury. Yes, like shaft, not shaft, yeah. like the way my tongue Watch wants your to mouth. say it. Yeah, <laughs> Shaftsbury would be Different. shitty. <laughs> Definitely. Somerset, and then what used to be Glastonbury, the town, which is an, a now abandoned town. Or I guess maybe at the last census, census um, well, not the last one, but the 2010 one, there was like eight people that lived in, there. In and 2020, talk- there were nine. Huh? In 2020, there were nine. Oh, wow. 2020, there were nine. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I'm going to talk more about like Glastonbury and the history of it. Um, Yeah. And then I think that a lot of this area is uh, like Glastonbury Mountain is in the um, like the Green Mountain National Forest is is what it's called. I'm pretty sure Green something National Forest. I think it's Green Mountain National Forest. It's somewhere in my notes, but I don't know where. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, there have been there. So there's a lot of like old lore and legends. There's some cryptids, allegedly some like real life weirdos. There's some real old shit that happened, some more recent shit that happened. But on this episode, I am going to just focus on a very strange string of disappearances that occurred between 1943 and 1950. Like, six people uh, disappeared, presumed dead, only two of them ever found, and that all happened in the Glastonbury Mountain area, and it was very, you know, kind of one after another, and they were all under weird circumstances, so I'm going to talk about each of those cases, and then in our next episode, I will get into more of, like, the the history, the what's going on now, and some of the, the local lore and legends of the Bennington Triangle. All right. That sounds does, lovely. Does that suit you? you that okay suits me that? just fine. All right. I, I, I'll stick around. I think right. I'll stick around. So it starts uh, November 23rd, 1943, and 37-year-old Carl Herrick was enjoying a hunting trip with his cousin Henry, and they were 10 miles northeast of the town of Glastonbury. They became separated, and Henry returned to camp, but Carl did not. Henry then contacted uh, help, you know, went went to get help immediately, and a search was begun, and eventually he was the one to find Carl. So he found his own cousin's dead body like three days later is when his body was found. And the... um, the circumstances of his death are very weird. The autopsy had indicated that the cause of death was, uh, well, I guess essentially he bled into his lungs from broken ribs. He was, he was squeezed to death. Oh. Yeah. That's weird. Mm-hmm. A very Diallo pass. I know, right? And Henry claims that he saw something like bear tracks close to the body, although everyone pretty much agreed that that's not how a bear would kill somebody. No. 
no, and there weren't any other marks. injuries that would indicate like uh, like an animal attack or a bear attack. Yeah. I mean, a bear is basically gonna. I mean, it's gonna eat your fucking face off, and then probably eat a lot more of you as well. And it's gonna claw you and bite you, and then it's gonna eat what it can, and mm-hmm, and then move along, and then and, you know, leave you there to be yeah. pecked out by the birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He the that was the only injury, but it was a it was a fatal one. A, a, something squeezed him so hard that it broke his ribs, and his ribs punctured his lungs and that yeah. is how he died now uh oddly enough no one seemed to really give this strange death a second thought other than it was tragic for for him to have died so young leaving behind a wife and five young children he was wait you know, how old was 30, he he was 37 37 oh for some reason i thought i was much younger than that yeah no 37 I was like, Jesus christ old. he was busy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, had a wife and five young children, and wow, that's that's pretty pretty sad. And some people don't even actually include some some places don't include his death as part of like the weird um, series of deaths during this time. But right. I totally think it's included because yeah, uh, it's... you know yeah they found his body pretty quickly, but he had been squeezed to death. He was a thirty seven year old like strapping young man, and something. Uh, squeezed him with enough force to like break his all of his ribs and for them to puncture his lungs like that's 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 not common yeah and then and nothing else found at the scene to indicate like what the fuck it was that did that to him but that was the 1940s right yeah 1943 yeah so i mean it was also the 1940s they're like ah it was probably nazis (laughs) <laughs> and then they like, carried on with their life. I mean, maybe, but it's just, it, it wasn't like, you know, he was found like trapped between two boulders and that would maybe make sense. Right, I mean, right. unless that was how a, it happened and then somebody rate. moved his body. I mean, it was just, yeah. He was just basically like kind of like propped up against a tree, squeezed to death. That's fucking, that's weird as shit. It is weird as shit. It does make me think of, um, Bridgewater Triangle, I think one of the the cryptids or things out there that were allegedly people had seen was like the giant snake. Yeah, yeah. Because that is like the only thing I could think of that could maybe do that, like some giant python, like squeeze. Well, but the thing with snakes is they don't just like squeeze and go. I know, like it would want to like eat eat him. That's what they do. They're not going to like go put forth all the like caloric effort of killing you to not eat you. Yeah, I mean, this is true, so... I don't know. Very weird. And I definitely think it is, you know, it deserves to be a part of the, you know, series of, of weirdness because. I agree. Yeah. There's, I agree. <laughs> and just wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> the next to go missing would be Mitty Rivers on November 12, 1945. So just two years later, 74 year old Mitty Rivers was. A vastly experienced outdoorsman. I mean, he's just one of, like, those guys that, you know, I mean, he was older, but he had, you know, lived in the area. Tough as nails. Yeah, tough as nails, knew what he was doing, uh, knew those woods like the back of his hand. He was actually taking, he was leading a hunting party of four into the woods to, you know, do some hunting. Hunting, yeah. And after, (laughs) yeah, as they do. And after he got a little bit ahead of the rest of the group, he just vanished. 
How very missing 411 there. I know, right? It's the first in line. Goes um, around a bend and poof, gone. Yeah. And he, he was interestingly in a spot called Hell Hollow Brook. And that is near the Long Trail. So Long Trail is like the official name of the trail. And that right. goes through the, the you know, Glastonbury um, mountain. And it's, it's actually like a 200-mile trail. Oh, wow. I guess so maybe goes, that's why yeah. they call it Long Trail. But Yeah, that's it, appropriately <laughs> named. If that's, yeah. Uh, that's a long fucking trail. It is a long trail. And, like, Long Trail just comes into play because apparently, like, a lot of the weird disappearances and stuff happen around Long Trail. So don't I mean, go it's on not long like a trail. Small, yeah, it's not a small area, so I mean, no, it's a long fucking but, trail. Yeah, it is a long trail, but yeah, it's it's significant. So it was near Long Trail and Vermont Route Nine. The other hunters realized that he was no longer with them, but nobody was really concerned. They're like, oh, probably he just like you know ran off to do whatever, or set Take something up, or, or check something. something. Yeah, they figured that. They would just reunite with him eventually, but he's elderly. Um, he's probably peeing every five, ten minutes. So <laughs> could be. You can be tough as nails and still have like a weak bladder by that still, age. Still have a, a prostate the size of an avocado. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, however, nobody did see him again. Uh, firemen, local volunteers, and eventually the U.S. Army uh, searched for Mitty Rivers for over a month. But after a long thorough search of the area, the only thing anyone ever found of him was a spent rifle cartridge of the same type of rifle that he used. So it's not even like for sure that that, you know, came from his gun, but it right. you know, I mean, would have gone a, to like the type of gun hunting. that he carried and probably like a lot of other people carry. Yeah, probably in the area. Uh no one discovered any evidence of an animal attack and uh, no one ever saw or heard from him again. His body is missing to this day. He has That's never been found and nothing. I mean, he had a pack, he had a rifle, he had, you know, so none of his possessions other than maybe the one cartridge. Yeah. Nothing has been found of him. That's, that's pretty, uh iffy evidence of him right right i mean that could have really been you know from any number of people that's weird because you'd think someone would come across a corpse at some point because sure like if there's cougars in the area they can you know they'll grab them and like take them up trees and shit like that but still like it's going to be wind eventually the corpse is going to blow down somewhere right and even if you're like mostly eaten or something or dragged up i mean there is evidence of that like there's yeah, drag oh, yeah. marks there's broken brush there's blood i mean oh yeah they're not like coming up behind you putting a paw over your mouth and bringing you into the <laughs> darkness to then kill you yes that that's not how animal attacks work generally no, it's speaking it's like a very violent fucking thing mm -hmm. that happens it's usually right pretty there, obvious that and then you get drug occurred. off mm -hmm. yeah and then, I mean, even usually something will come loose if you're wearing like a whole backpack and your shoes and your hair. Usually oh, some, yeah. something will get left behind. Besides all the, you know, the mountains of evidence indicating an animal attack, then usually there's like one or two things strewn about that would also. Yeah, you're not keeping like, oh, hold, yeah. hold on, let me get my keys. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, yeah, no. You're probably yeah. dropping most of the shit in your hands trying to fight off whatever the fuck's trying to get uh, you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The next to disappear would be Paula Weldon, age 18, and that occurred on December 1st, 1946, so just like a year later. Yeah. 
And she was a sophomore at Bennington College. She, I mean, if you look at a picture of her, she was a beautiful girl. Yeah, just just a, a lovely looking person. And she told her college roommate that she was going to take a break from their studies and she was going to go walk uh, on Vermont's long trail. So she's going to go down and, and have a, a nice walk on the long trail. Um, she apparently hitchhiked to near where the trail head was. Now, before that occurred, Ernest Whitman, um, an employee at the Bennington Banner, gave her directions on how to get to the trailhead. And then another man picked her up. He was like a trucker named Lewis Knapp, and he saw her hitchhiking on the highway. Because I guess, you know, it's 1946. Yeah, People you could are, do that you, shit you know, then. You could do that. And he dropped her off uh, a little ways from uh, the trailhead on the, the State Route 9. And then I know what you're thinking. I mean, like, maybe, like, like who actually saw her and then did something with her and she never made it? No, nope, she did make it to the trail because to, a couple walking on the trail saw her walking and she was ahead of them. They were about 100 yards behind her. And she, according to them, she turned a corner in the trail and then when they reached the same corner, she had disappeared. Most of the eyewitness accounts are believed to be true as she was wearing a distinctive red parka. It was a lightweight parka. She was just wearing jeans and tennis shoes and this red parka, but it was very bright red, so people remembered it. And uh, you would think that, like, the red would be would easy out. to yeah. spot and stick out because... But no, it didn't end up helping her much at all because... The next morning when she hadn't returned, the roommate like thought maybe she was when she didn't come back, like maybe she had just hit the library or something on on her way back home. And so but the next morning she realized like, hey, she never came home. So she alerted the uh, officials at the college and then they kind of started searching and made sure she wasn't like on campus somewhere. And then they began, you know, notifying people and putting together a search party um, there was a lot of criticism about the the search party because uh, the college officially closed for several days so that students and professors could could help look for Paula. But uh, it was there was no actual um, state police in Vermont yet. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, even to this day, I don't feel like there's any like huge cities in vermont it's not exactly like a bustling metropolitan out there no um, i mean i guess not i don't i can't think of a, a main city in vermont either mm -hmm. i think the capital is montpelier but <laughs> what i know <laughs> yeah there was no state police force in vermont so um her father uh, had had flown out. I guess her mother like collapsed and then was injured because she was so upset that her daughter was missing. She like she fell down and then like she, I don't know if she had a stroke or she injured herself in some way, but she basically um, became uh, incapacitated because of the news of her daughter's disappearance. The father went out there and he was helping look and eventually like 
the Connecticut State Police came to provide assistance and the National Guard joined the search too. But a lot of the search teams were just kind of like made up of like random people just kind of like doing their own thing. So a lot of the same area was looked at and it just wasn't done very efficiently or in a very organized fashion. So time and energy was probably wasted, but nevertheless, uh, no matter how many people eventually joined up, nothing ever found of her. She has never been uh, found to this day. So missing, never seen again. There was some speculation about why she would have taken a walk late in the afternoon in the first place, uh, only wearing like a parka and, and jeans when the temperatures were expected to fall below freezing after dark. Um, my guess is that she didn't plan to be out for too long. Yeah. I, she didn't plan to never come back. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, maybe I mean, she would have like brought an extra change of clothes or something. Yeah. I mean, she didn't like bring her money. She didn't bring anything with her. So there's no indication that she voluntarily just decided to disappear. Which seems and, like a weird concept to us nowadays because like when do you leave your house? Like when I go get the mail, I don't have my phone and stuff on me. But like <laughs> when do you go out of the house and you don't have like your wallet and your like all that stuff on you? Right. Yeah, I know. Going someplace without money? Well, I mean, maybe not my phone, but definitely I don't have like all my things when I take a late evening walk. And I used to do that a lot back in Washington where um, it's like, oh, it's a nice day for a walk. I should really do that. And I knew like it was getting the sun was going to go down soon. But I still went out and did a brisk walk because... I knew, like, after dark, like, that's it. Like, the street that I lived on had, like, no street lights. So yeah, once it no. was dark, it was fucking dark. And, like, there tended to be, you know, like, like uneven ground and potholes. So I, there weren't a lot of cars, but... Raccoons with switchblades. <laughs> you just didn't want to be uh, walking in the pitch black down there because it would be more... It, not so much cars, but more like you could twist your ankle pretty easily once it actually got dark dark but yeah i would do that all the time where it's like getting close and it's like well it's now or never i'm just gonna you know run out there and, and get a good walk in before the sun goes down so i don't think there was anything like really weird about the fact that she did that and wasn't like you know dressed for the below freezing weather because she just thought she was gonna you know get a few miles in and then head back she thought she just thought she was going to hitchhike from her house down to the trail walk on the trail for a little while then i presume she was going to hitchhike back right yeah. <laughs> it's a different time. It was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. Other than that, like, nothing. Nothing ever again. Just just gone forever. And really sad. Really sad. Because, like, like I said, she, she looked like, you know, a lovely person. You know, any, anybody. Lo- lovely looking or not. Um, right. It's, it's, it's terrible for someone that young that's just starting their life to just vanish. And presumably uh, because their life. somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because their life is uh, ended. There was one good thing that did come out of her disappearance, though, is because of all the criticism on how uh, the the search went for her, her her father was very vocal about um, how, uh, you know, much like everyone kind of like bungled that up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, hey, Um, fuck everything up, guys. 
her uh, that did lead to finally uh, the creation of the Vermont State Police the following year. So oh, the following year, Vermont officially had a state police force. So and you know it was going to come in handy because you know just three years later, exactly three years later, uh, another person was going to go missing. Now this one is is weird and weird. It's different because it's not in the forest. But it's incredibly weird because it seems like this guy, like, disappeared off of a moving bus. That's pretty weird. Essentially, yes. That's not generally... I mean, usually the moving buses is where people stay. They, they mm-hmm. stay on the moving buses. Yeah. You, you get on, it moves, it stops moving, you get off. Then you get off, right. Yeah. Uh, James E. Tedford... He disappeared December 1st, 1949. He was 68 years old at the time and a World War II veteran. So he fought pretty at a pretty late age. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. Damn. Because, I mean, like, 45 is when it ended, World War II yeah. ended. And yep, and this was like four years later. Uh-huh, and he's 68, so... Yeah, so he was... Wow. He was like mm-hmm. 60, like, I'm going to join the war. <laughs> Although, I mean, he could have done, I mean, just because he was a veteran doesn't mean he was a combat veteran. I mean, my yeah, I mean, uh, grandfather served in Alaska during World War II as a firefighter because that you know, was fairly close to, like, bombing territories. and mm-hmm. So, I mean, but he wasn't like a combat veteran. Yeah, like my, my grandfather uh, was in World War II, but he was on a he was on a naval ship and one that like just didn't really see much of anything, just kind of right. like patrolling the waters up and down. Now his brother, my great uncle Clyde, was also in World War II and fought in the Pacific. Like, oh, that was that. Yeah, I mean, on the ground, like in the jungle. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, and um, so of course my grandfather, having not you know, seen a lot of, you know, the actual horrors of war, um, obviously was pretty unscathed and, and managed to like, you know, kind of be the same person he was before he left. Yeah. But my grandmother would often like comment about like, you know, how, how Clyde just, you know, just, just wasn't the same as he was before. I mean, almost in this tone that like, you know, he's just not as fun as he used to be. And it's like, well, gee, you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, he saw, I mean, if he was fighting in the South Pacific, he saw horrendous fucking shit. Yes. The Empire of Japan did some horrible, horrible, horrible things that made the shit that Nazis were doing look like, oh, well, it could have been worse. Right. I mean, it was fucked up, man. So fucked up. So it's like, yeah, I think that probably fucked Clyde up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. As it, I as can it imagine, does. like, maybe he just, you know, yeah, well, PTSD and just maybe it wasn't as fun of and lighthearted as a guy as he used to be prior right, to that, you right. know. As it turns out, PTSD will fuck you up. Right, right. You know, and, and it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's a little bit different than just, uh, you know, do, doing patrols on safely from the safety of your ship and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Like when you're so, actually seeing mm-hmm. that shit, man. Yeah. And I'm sure she was just like a little bit ignorant of that, but I was just, oh, probably. just like, I mean, oh my gosh. People didn't you know, fucking Clyde just, know just, you know, just wasn't the same. Just then. wasn't the same guy he used to be. It's like, well, yeah, that stuff just, you know, I mean, their generation is just like suck it up and let it roll off. And I'm sure he did to a great extent being of that generation. But yeah, he just wasn't as fun of a guy anymore following yeah, that. All that horror, <laughs> you know, it'll yeah, do it. Took a little toll on him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I don't know what his, uh, you know, combat status was exactly in World War II. Now, he did have a wife who was significantly younger than him, and her name was Pearl. So she was, like, 28 years old when they got married, and he was, like, 56. And then he went off to war, and when he returned, she was gone. She had disappeared. Their home was abandoned, and I don't know if officially she was, like, ever found. The last time it said anyone saw her was when she was, uh, you know, going into uh, a store uh, in the in Franklin, I guess, is the, the town that they lived in, and but then she was never seen again. I've seen, I couldn't find a whole lot um, other than his wife had disappeared, and so he was definitely distraught about that upon coming home and finding her gone. Uh, there was one source that said that they uh, thought that her account, that she had been, her whereabouts had been verified after he disappeared or at the time that he disappeared. So she maybe just, she like, she didn't off. actually just disappear. Maybe she had just run off and, and hadn't like mysteriously disappeared. But that was just kind of one thing. I couldn't really find anything either way. R-U-N-N-O-F-T. All, all I could find, yeah, all I could really find was that by the time he came back, she was not at the house that she rent that they rented anymore, and he never found her again. And all of her shit was gone too. I don't know if her shit was gone or not, but crazy. But that but she, she was just gone. seemingly disappeared, and nobody, you know, had heard from her or in the area had seen her, and he never saw her again, and he was very upset over this. Obviously, sure you could get away with that shit way easier back in the day. Like, well, now, yeah, because like, oh, and that's probably why I can't really account. find I couldn't really find anything one way or another because yeah, it's not then, like, oh, wait, no. Now there's a social media post like from this year. So clearly she was still alive. Like, you pack a fucking suitcase and you get on a train and then you go to like the next state over and move into a city and go by a different name and. You'll Nobody never see that person like the again. wiser at just all. Insane. Go a hundred miles away and just disappear. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. With like, I lost my birth certificate. Too. This is my name. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, fucking crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. Ah. He checked into a soldier's home uh, in 1947. So I don't know. Maybe that was just kind of like a like kind of a halfway house for veterans, something probably, something yeah. like that. Soldier's home is probably a place where they have a room and mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, I, I would say maybe like medical personnel, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, I have I have no idea what the uh, staffing situation uh, was comprised of, but. Yeah, he checked himself into the soldier's home. And then in 1949, he was um, going to go and visit, you know, what was left of uh, his family. He boarded a bus on December 1st, 1949. He boarded a bus in St. Albans and did not arrive at his destination. The bus trip was to have taken eight hours, and it was going to arrive in Bennington. There was heavy snow that caused a long delay, and, um, you know, eventually, like, you know, after a long delay, you know, the bus did 
get to its final destination. It was passing through the Green Mountain National Forest, like on its way from uh, St. Albans to Bennington. And uh, once it reached Bennington, he was just suddenly no longer on the bus. Although the 14 other passengers on the bus uh, remembered seeing him there sleeping in his seat. <laughs> and no one remembered him getting off. And he would have he would have been taking like the the bus ride all the way to where it ended in Bennington. There was no right. reason for him to get off at any of the previous stops. And nobody saw him getting off at the previous stops. Just one minute he was asleep in his seat, and then the next, uh, the bus pulls up and he's not there. All of his possessions were still on the bus. Weird. Like his suitcase and everything. And then on his seat was like a bus schedule or something like that. Just sitting there on the seat where he had occupied it. The the bus timetable was, yeah, sitting open on his empty seat and his uh, uh, suitcase and everything still on the luggage rack. But he was gone never to be seen again so it's not like you know they i'm sure they like kind of backtracked and like oh was he confused did he get off somewhere yeah nope nope nobody no agency he never turned up anywhere and wow you know they looked and searched and nothing that's just super nothing. fucking never, weird yeah never seen just again just like you know in the, in the wilderness you'd be like well i mean almost anything can happen you know you're dry, you're, right you're walking around i mean like if there's it's really easy i mean a lot of people aren't very aware of their surroundings so to 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 think that people right behind you would like lose sight of you real easily i can see that but when you're on a moving in a moving vehicle with mm-hmm. a bunch of people around and you're suddenly just not there anymore i mean yeah i have ridden the bus a lot in my life and unless i'm a, I, I was asleep or something i noticed when people got off the bus because the bus stopped and so you look up at the door because the bus stopped and mm-hmm. then you see like what's going on you know so that's super fucking weird. Like Isn't I'm sure these people would have been like, if the bu- the bus just stopped, who's get- who's getting off the bus? Just just looking. I mean, just doing that. Yeah. Again. People don't generally leave the bus with all of their shit still on it while it's moving. Yes, and then even if it did, I mean, he had family he was supposed to be meeting, so why not be like, oh hey, like I really had to pee and I got off the bus and I thought it wasn't gonna. I thought I had a few minutes and it left. This is where I am. And I've also been on buses I mean, going across country. And, like, I remember one time I was in some place in the middle of fucking, like, nowhere America. Maybe some place in the middle of, like, Arkansas or Alabama. I can't remember. But there was this McDonald's that the bus stopped at. It was a Greyhound bus. And they stopped this McDonald's. And uh, they had, you could smoke inside of it. And I smoked at the time. So I was like, well, shit, I'm going to smoke a cigarette in here. And so I sat and I smoked a cigarette. And then, like... I left and the bus was like waiting for me. They're like, hey, we were waiting for you. We got to go. I was like, oh, shit. So they don't just leave you either. Right. They like. And it's not like there was a million people to account for. 14 other people. So 15 people on this bus total. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fucking wild. Isn't it just. Yeah. Really crazy. The next disappearance would be 
October 12th, 1915. I mean, sorry, 1950. And that would be again in Bennington. And this time it was an eight-year-old child named Paul Jebson. He had accompanied his mother uh, to her job, which was a, she was a caretaker. I guess she and her husband both were caretakers at a local dump. And uh, I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. I mean, people need to maintain dumps like anywhere else. It's true. <laughs> Motherfuckers and gotta have was, a job. Yep. And she was going there to feed some pigs because apparently some pigs lived at the dump or, you know, there was a pen of pigs at the dump. I don't know. Well, maybe back in the day they had pigs to eat like the organic, like the food stuffs that got dumped, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that seems kind of hard to like, I mean, I guess the pig could sniff it out, but. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. know. It was just kind of odd. Like she worked at the the local dump, but she had gone there not to do stuff at the dump, but to feed the pigs at the dump not maybe the dump owner had kept pigs it could be could be i don't know the protocols of dumps back in the like 19 the 1950s yeah i don't either i wasn't i wasn't alive at the time because i'm not no no i don't really even know much about much about dump protocols here in 2023 i know right all i know is that we have a lot more plastic than yeah. we probably we did in 1950. Pl- <laughs> we definitely have more plastic now than we did in 1950. Well, he was supposed to have stayed in the pickup truck, and she thought she was going to be pretty quick getting the pigs fed and cared for or whatever, but she did end up taking an hour, and when she returned to the truck, the boy was gone. Because, you know, you tell an eight-year-old to sit in a truck for an hour and not to go anywhere. That's, I don't know. I guess it depends on like the um, the temperament of the you know of said eight year old. Yeah, I think it depends entirely on the eight year old. But this was not an eight year old that's going to be prone to sticking around. Apparently, I guess not. I guess not unless he was uh, you know Sedated. taken against his will. Uh, oh, right. You know, unless he was sitting somewhere and somebody grabbed him. Um. Yeah, she ended up being gone for an hour, and he was gone. And I know, I mean, one thing I was thinking was, okay, maybe that's what she said, but maybe they... um, (laughs) Sold him or something. (laughs) Well, or killed him and fed him to the pigs was my first thought. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something. (laughs) And I mean, other people thought that as well, because, of course, they brought in a ton of people to try and find I mean the alarm bells were sounded pretty quickly. It's an eight year old kid. Yeah. She couldn't find him anywhere. Um I believe the New Hampshire police brought in a bloodhound and tracked the scent of the boy to the edge of the highway but then lost the scent. So Got into a car probably at that point. Yeah, it was theorized that maybe a passing motorist had kidnapped him. And then also people were like, well, also maybe the parents did something because uh, despite a huge, um, massive uh, search effort, nothing of the boy was ever found. It was never seen again. But a weird thing that his father said, okay, the father, the boy's father told the Albany Times Union that it was perhaps, quote, the lure of the mountains, end quote, that had pulled his missing son 
out of the car and caused him to just walk off into the woods, never to be seen again. The lure of the mountains. The lure of the mountains. He also said, quote, that, oh, that he also said that the boy had, quote, talked of nothing else for days, end quote. So apparently the kid, like, was suddenly having this fixation with the mountain, with the Glastonbury Mountain. Huh. And would talk of nothing else for days, the days prior. Um, yeah, the days prior leading up to his disappearance. That's uh, wild. Creepy, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's really weird. Uh, and yeah, as I said to date, uh, Paul Jepson has never been found. The next and the next disappearance. Um, <laughs> which which will be the last that I'm going to talk about on this episode. This will be the one that you know kind of and ends the weird string of disappearances. Uh, it would just be two weeks later, <laughs> so um, October twenty eighth, nineteen fifty. Uh, Frida Langer. Now she was, I believe, she was like fifty three years old, and yeah, 53 years old, and she was an experienced hiker and survivalist. So she was like hardcore. Yeah, she she knew her shit. Mm-hmm. Probably had been a Girl Scout at some point. Uh, yeah, I don't probably, know, but you know, yeah, knew the woods, front and back, knew exactly, you know, was like trained to, you know, survive in the wilderness. Knew what she was doing. They she was out camping um, with her husband and some like her cousin or something like that yeah it was her husband and her cousin and she was out with her cousin and had gotten had stumbled into the river and so and she kind of like her oh i'm sorry she had stumbled into the river and she was going to go back to where um they were camped out and where her husband was her husband had hurt his knee so he was back at the camp and she was out with her cousin she stumbles into the river gets wet and decides to go back and change into some dry clothes because you know she knows it's late october the temperature is gonna get cold and you shouldn't be like wet when that's going on so right right it's like okay i'm gonna go back to camp and change and then i'll be back well her cousin waits and waits for her and she never returns so eventually the cousin goes back to the camp and sees her husband and then the husband has not seen her either she never made it back to camp she disappeared between the river and where their campsite was located. Again, huge surf search effort. Nothing found of her. I think it was like 400 plus people, uh, even, you know, some, some um, you know, helicopters and planes or, you know, they, they've done some, yeah, they've done some flyovers. Yeah. Searched and searched and searched. Nothing was found of her. She was, her body was, was found though, eventually. So she's, you know, one of two where a body was actually discovered, but it wasn't discovered for six months. Her remains were found on May 12th, 1951. And so because of the, you know, six months that had passed, she was very decomposed. And so it was impossible to determine how she had died. But what was really weird is she was found near the Somerset Reservoir, which was a very open area. It was kind of like an open field out there. 
and that area had been searched extensively numerous times in the previous months. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, that's that's also a very, like, missing 411 thing. Yeah, like, yeah. That the person is either found either alive or the body is discovered in a place that has been searched previously. Yeah, like many times previously, usually. Mm-hmm. So, very weird. And then the only known similarities that between all this, because one theory that I'll just put out there now, I'm going to get into some other ones in in the next episode, but one theory um, was that, oh, like, maybe there was, like, a serial killer out there. And, I mean, that that's just, you know, I mean, that's a wide range of genders and ages and, you know, like... But it all happened right on Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, unless it's somebody uh, like Jason Voorhees who does not discriminate and just kills everybody that crosses his path, I'm feeling like it was probably not the work of a serial killer. Um, the similarities that tie these all together would be that they all seem to disappear uh, between like 3 and 4 p.m. And they all disappeared in the final three months of the year. Yeah, I noticed that it was like usually it was December. Yeah, it was October, November, and December is when... All these disappearances occurred. And then two of the uh, people who disappeared, that would be uh, Paula Weldon and then the the eight-year-old, um, Paul Jepson. Paula Weldon was wearing a red jacket, and Paul Jepson was also wearing a, a red shirt or jacket at the time. So... You know, people are making a connection to that. And I'll look a little bit more into it. Like, um, I'm not sure if any of the other ones were were wearing red, but I I know, like, kind of just perusing through, that seemed to be, like, a thing that people were discussing is how they were wearing red. Interesting. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, all in the last three months of the year, all between 3 and 4 p.m., and all in the, you know, same area, the Green Mountain National Forest, uh, close to Bennington, close to the Long Trail, not a lot Close of new the, disappearances, though? Uh, town of Glastonbury. No. Well, that's good. <laughs> there has, <laughs> That seemed to kind of end the weird disappeared, never to be seen again streak. Um, but there have been some more recent uh, experiences that people have had that are that are weird. And then there was some stuff like way back long ago, like, you know, in like the 1800s that happened, also weird. And then there's some like, you know, Native American folklore about the area in general and some cryptids and curses that they believe existed in the mountains, which, you know, like once you hear all that, you might you know, think that maybe some of that has something to do with the crazy rash of disappearances that occurred in the 40s and 50s, but yeah. We'll, we'll leave we'll, that up to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get more into it on the next episode. That's right. Well, I think that is about it for us today, so thank you all very much for listening. If you'd like to join our Patreon, you can get our regular episodes ad-free for $2 a month, and for $5 a month, you can also get a bonus true crime episode where Joanna tells you terrible things about terrible, terrible people. 
you can also uh, listen to us on, at the podcast syndicate that we're a part of. It's ageofradio.org. Our little portion of that is ageofradio.org slash stranger than where you can listen to our podcasts. If you'd like to have us tell one of your stories of some weirdo shit that happened to you, you can send us an email, strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, if are you in this triangle, did you disappear? Let us know. We'd love to hear it. <laughs> and with that, we'll talk to you next time. And stay strange. Thank you.